Underwriting for AutoLine this week is provided by... We are IAC Group, a global tier one supplier of vehicle interior solutions that span the rapid, ever-changing needs of today's industry. From interior design and engineering to manufacturing and delivery, IAC, our heritage, your advantage. From the Auto Line Studios, here is your host, John McElroy. Thanks for joining us on AutoLine this week, where the discussion's all going to be about whether or not the automotive industry is doing a good enough job of promoting women executives. And to help me in that discussion today, I've got three women executives in the automotive industry, including Janine Hanley, the Vice President of Global Trim Operations for the Lear Corporation, Colleen Haley, the Executive Vice President for Yazaki's US OEM Operations, and Terry Barkley, the CEO of Inforum. Great having you all here on AutoLine Thank this you. week. Thank you. Terry, I'm going to start with you. It seems to me that a decade ago, the U.S. auto industry was doing a better job of promoting women executives than it is right now. Uh, give me an update of how you see what's going on there. Well, I would agree that things might have been better a decade ago, and but then we had the meltdown, uh, you know, and so a lot of people left the industry at that the, time. The, the big meltdown, the big collapse, as I call it, 2008, 2009, where a lot of people were broomed out or even left. A the lot of people left, and you know, but every crisis creates an opportunity, and so that's where we are right now. Um, I see companies really zeroing in on this opportunity to to promote the women that they have, to retain the women that they have and then to reach back earlier in the pipeline to, to interest uh, upcoming talent in the industry. Janine, Colleen, you, you see it that way or no? I mean, you're in yeah. the industry. Yeah, I definitely do. And I think that um, there, there's a lot of emphasis on talent. And of course, women is, is a huge piece of the talent pool with 60% of the undergrads going to women these days. And I think, you know, the leadership of the companies knows that talent's important and they're willing to tap it anywhere that they can. Colleen, you see that too? Um, I do, John, and actually one of the reasons that Terry and Janine and I are together um, is coming out of that downturn. Uh, some women executives in automotive really saw what you described, which is we, we had some momentum, but we were concerned women are leaving, they're either opting out or they're taking packages, maybe in higher proportion than men. We don't have data that says that, but it was our feeling, right? It was the gut feel. We said, what can we do as women executives? So over a six or eight month period, about 20, 25 women executives in automotive came together and said, we think we can do some things to help the industry uh, and to help our companies and make sure young women understand the opportunity they have and we can rebuild that momentum and hopefully take it even further. Uh, Terry, you said uh, out of crisis comes opportunity. What kind of, kind of opportunity are you talking about? Well, here's the thing. So women, we know from research that has been done that the auto industry's image was tarnished during that downturn um, as, as a place to go work. Uh, there was a study that was done by Deloitte that showed the automotive industry coming in next to last in terms of the industries that new college graduates were looking at when they were looking at building a career. Um, so, but, but here's the reality. I think that all of us in this industry know that some of the best jobs in the next, in, some of the best jobs in the future are going to be in the new automotive industry. And we know that women are 60% of the college graduates. So what can we do to, to change that image of the industry to at least bring it up to reality? Because there's a whole lot of opportunity out there. Yeah, and that's the easy part. I mean, that's when you have a great story to tell. 
Um, you know, man, our automotive is so much more than manufacturing. And don't get me wrong, it's world-class manufacturing, but it's high-stakes finance, it's beautiful design, it's sales and marketing. It's, it's a consumer product. I mean, it's a high-value consumer product, and it's a great story to tell. It's a global technology-driven industry, and there's a lot to offer anybody right out of college or throughout your entire career. What Deloitte found in that research was what new college graduates are looking for. Mm -hmm. They're looking, they want to work with cutting-edge technology, they want yep. global opportunities. You know, mm -hmm. You've just described the automotive industry. Sure. Colleen, uh, through Inforum, there's this organization that's been created called Automotive Next mm -hmm. that is right. specifically targeted at getting women into the auto industry. Well, Give us a little description of what that's all about. Sure, sure. So Automotive Next is what uh, Inform calls an industry vertical. So it's a group of automotive women uh, who really are focused on three things. Uh, one, making sure automotive gets its fair share of talent. And we've talked about the data around women and their uh, proportion of the talent base. So we have to set a tone and an image that says, this is a great business, you should want to be in it if you're not today. Um, we want the women that are in the business to develop and succeed, right? And we want to show through engagement of executive women um, what's possible. I mean, Janine talked about the variety of careers and, and the paths that you can go down. I think it's not really understood by young women or even mid-career women what kind of opportunity there is in the business. So we want to just showcase that um, in every way that we can. And How, are we really, How are you doing that? How do well, you showcase that? Sure. Um, just recently, and maybe Janine can speak to this, uh, we have a, a young women's initiative. So we have a Gen Y team. Uh, that works with our executive team and they help us understand what are young women looking for right what kind of career do they want what kind of workplace is going to be inviting to them and we have several events a year either on college campuses or with summer interns so we just had one a couple weeks ago yeah. where member companies brought their interns to an event with female executives in the business and we just talk yeah right? and it was a, a terrific event we we had it at the old Paquette plant. We talked a little bit about this. Paquette, of course, is where the original Model T yeah, was designed and built. And, and like Colleen said, we're, um, we're, we all have independent as companies. We have independent uh, initiatives that we have for talent. But this is kind of overarching, where we're encouraging all of our interns to come together, look at this wonderful historical site, really be inspired about how important and how historic the automotive industry has been, and really um, provide some networking amongst other young women who are interning this summer. There were a lot of fun conversations. And then do some role modeling, see other successful women. So you have a view of not just an internship, not just the first couple of years, but you can really make a very diverse career out of it and a lot of us speak very frankly about challenges we faced great opportunities and what we love about the automotive industry right. and it's it's an easy evening and a lot of great conversation a lot of talented women you know we forget about the power of the simple things yeah. uh, you, you know and women are still women in senior levels are still you know relatively infrequent mm -hmm. and so the power of exposing young people to the people who are already in those roles you know, I, I often say to executives of Janine and Colleen's caliber that they forget how what a powerful experience that is for young women to see them, you know, doing doing their jobs. Okay, that's all great, and I, I admire what you're doing of getting a new generation of women interested in getting into the industry. But what about the here and now? I mean, you know, you're at very senior vice president levels, but. You know, there's still the glass ceiling in the industry. We still have not seen a woman executive as a CEO uh, or a COO. They're still not in the top positions. What does it take for that to happen? 
Well, the data says one of the key things that it takes is getting uh, into line positions, right? Getting to the front line that may be... Now, what do you mean line position? You don't mean working on the assembly line, I, do I you? don't. <laughs> in, it, typically, in business, line means you're, you're as close to um, the deliverable as possible, right? So it depends on the kind of company you're in. Right. It can be a profit and loss job. Um, critically important to show you can deliver the bottom line results. So instead of just being a paper shuffler, you got to show right. you can run the right. books, you can run your own little company within the company. Right. End of the day, whether you make or lose money, whether you satisfy the customer is on that individual who owns the P&L. So that's an example. Another example might be running a, a manufacturing operation. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is running a line but then moving to run the plant and then moving to run a group of plants. So it's going to vary by company, but getting the individual as close to that bottom line deliverable as possible really makes the difference. Because if you've proven you can do it on a small scale, ideally you can do it on a larger scale. But, but again, I think the data also shows, which is really interesting. I mean, we like to look at this as you know, objectively as we can. Is I, there's two parts to it. There's from a company responsibility side, or they just want to benefit from having the best talent, right? The best results. Um, it's keep an eye out for your high potential folks and, and push them to take on those line positions, those challenging positions. But the other piece, and I think this is always great advice, is control what you have in your own control, <laughs> is don't be afraid to take um, the risk. Don't be afraid to ask for the challenging assignment. Don't be afraid of failure. And I think a lot of the data shows that women can tend to be a little more risk averse to some of the more challenging assignments and just need the encouragement. And I think um, being part of professional women's groups or networking groups is, is encouragement, having a mentor or sponsor in your company. But um, take responsibility for your own development, ask for what you want, take risks. And from a company side, you know, push people to you know, fill out their, their development portfolio. Right. Well, well said, one of my favorite stats is men will apply for a job if they meet 60% of the stated criteria for the job. <laughs> Women apply for a job if they meet 100% of the stated criteria mm. for yeah. the job. Right. And, and I don't know if that says anything about risk or not. I think it just speaks to thoroughness. And so, you know, and so, be, yeah. you know, and so companies, you know, a very concrete thing that companies can do is what you said, is push, you know, give, understand that the women might need a little bit more of a push right. yeah. uh, to get them there. As a hiring manager, I don't know, I've heard lots of people say, gosh, the guys are beating down their doors every day saying, what do I have to do to get that next job? You know, understand that you might not see that same behavior from women. That doesn't mean they're less interested. It doesn't mean they're, they're less willing to jump off the cliff and go after it, uh, but they just exhibit it differently. Yep. Terry, of course, you know, we, we, we talked about the internships and then, you know, at the, the very top of management. What about boards of directors? <laughs> I know this has been a hot topic for Inforum. It is. And we've seen you at Inforum really pushing boards to take on more women because if I remember the stats right, you need like 25 or 30 percent of your board to be female before they really have a voice and start to sway what these boards do. Well said, John. You've read our study. <laughs> You've read the research. You've read the research. We're actually, we're doing an event on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange um, shortly that's uh, aimed, there's going to be two, three hundred people there, and we're aiming at exposing more senior level women, there will be women there from the automotive industry to board opportunities that exist in public companies. But, but the automotive industry um, actually uh, has lagged a little bit behind, but there have been a few superstars in there. General Motors comes to mind. General Motors uh, had that magic 30% yes. ish until they, they just expanded their they, board and sort of watered it down again. They did. And you know, all the research shows that diversity of thought is important 
to boards. It's important to any decision-making pro right. process. I, I think the issue is a little bit circular as well, because as you said, John, there aren't that many women CEOs. Well, board makeup is typically presidents and CEOs. C-suite. So you have to crack into that top level to be asked to be on another company's boards. So you know, we really have to attack both sides of the issue, and it goes back to getting into the, the line roles. Um, and, and for us, uh, we were talking about the intern event, and Terry spoke to how powerful it can be. Right. I think one of the things that's important for anyone, and, and I think for myself, it, it's important as an individual, as a woman, to be able to see yourself, right? Can I envision myself in that role? Mm -hmm. So when we can bring a room full, and this is 50 women who are in a variety of automotive jobs, maybe they're in manufacturing, maybe they're running a global piece of the business, mm -hmm. then a young woman can say, oh, okay, I can picture it, right? I can see maybe there's a family, right? Maybe there's an interesting work style balance that somebody's been able to work out, but I can picture myself there in, in 20 or 25 years. So you have to be able to have a vision. And, and I think the Women in Automotive Next can, can help with that. Colleen, what I find fascinating is that you work at the American subsidiary of a Japanese company. Right. I could not point out one female executive in the Japanese auto industry, even if I go back through my entire career. I've never met one. So why is it that you're at such a senior level position at a Japanese company? How'd that happen? Well, first, I'll just give uh, Yazaki a lot of um, respect for the process that they use. Um, a statistic for you is over 30% of our executive team are female. In the U.S.? In the U.S. So our Yazaki North America, which is the regional headquarters. So you've got the magic 30% that we've talked about. There yep. you go. Yep. And so so we, we've, we've reached that, that accomplishment. I, I think really uh, what drove it for Yazaki is about 15 years ago, uh, they made the decision to develop regional headquarters. So really uh, localize the management team in Europe and in North America. And part of that strategy was they need to be local leaders, people who can relate to the workforce, the community, the customers, the consumers. Uh, and it drove a, a hiring round uh, that I was a part of uh, and other women that came into the company were a part of. And the, the Japanese executive team, the family that owns Jizaki, is very comfortable that their team in the region needs to look and feel like the region and what works in that region is what they're going to put in place. Janine, you talked about all these interns that you're bringing in through yeah. Automotive Next, which I think is terrific. But oftentimes, I'm invited to speak at engineering schools right. or even business schools. I got to tell you, in the engineering schools, and that's one of the key ways right. to the top in the automotive industry, very few women in there. Right. And when I go to the business schools, oh, yeah, they're extremely well represented. But when you get into the finance side of mm -hmm. business, very few women. And again, another right. key way to the top. Right. Is this anything that you're looking into? How do you get women to go into the technical side of the business and the financial, not just business, but financial side. Right, and you know, as Colleen said, there are different direct lines that you can take depending on the company. And and it's true, I mean, you look at, I don't know the precise statistic, but I think about 20% of women are graduating with the engineering degrees today. So there's- That's pretty good, that's higher than I would have thought. Yeah, and, and so there's still, you know, if 20% um, of executive management were women, um, that might be more traceable, but we all know it's still quite shy of that, but you're right. It, it's a multifaceted approach. There are all kinds of initiatives that are taking women um, 
especially in elementary, middle school, high school, to get them interested in technical fields. We haven't branched out into that just yet. Right now we're focused on the Gen Y college population. We're targeting those women in business and technical fields to take an interest in automotive. But I can certainly see us dipping in um, as we get more mature and get more of a foundation mm -hmm. automotive next of how, how can we support that basic STEM education and interests as we go forward. So one step at a time. You'll, you'll deal with the, the interns for right yeah, now. Yeah, for right now, and, and it's been a lot of fun. There's a lot of work to do there, so it's been great. Terry, going back to this discussion about the boards of directors, in Europe, as you know, I, I don't know if it's a law or there's a lot of pressure on European companies to, <laughs> to put women on their boards, and uh, lo and behold, the German companies have each appointed a I would think maybe a token woman to their boards. Do you think that kind of legislation is needed in the U.S.? Would that make any difference? Well, my personal viewpoint, I would like to make Clarissa's not an automotive <laughs> next viewpoint. I, you know, I don't think the U.S. is a place where quotas uh, will fly. Um, you know, Germany's an interesting case. Uh, you know, Angela Merkel's lab labor secretary, um, the equivalent position to labor secretary, you know, openly, they had voluntary quotas and they were calling, you know, for actual legal quotas. There's several countries. Mm -hmm. um, and, and interestingly, John, those requirements in those countries are creating opportunities for women in the United States. Because so? oh, I, I know two or three women executives from the United States who've been appointed to boards in France mm. um, within the last six months. Uh, so, you know, I, I, there's a, a lively debate that goes on about what will it take to really create change? Because the pace of change right now is very slow. Um, you know, sometimes we've calculated it out and say it'll take 50 years before, at the current rate of change for there to be, you know, more parity in the number of women represented on boards. And let's not forget that, that there's even the best-intentioned companies, that's sometimes why you see board sizes expanding because there's, a you know, board members, once you get on a board, there's a certain period of time that you're expected to remain on that board. You know, it can be seen as a black mark against the company if there's board turnover. Um, and so, you know, there's only a certain number of openings every year if you keep your finite N there. So some, what we're seeing is boards expanding their size to accommodate more diversity. So I think there's opportunity. I think we're at an inflection point, you know, where the talent is really being recognized. I really see the glass is half full. Well, I, I think we are at an inflection point. I get the idea that, or the feeling that <laughs> women, especially in the U.S., have had it, and it's time to change things, and they don't want to wait anymore. Yeah. But, but apropos of the discussion vis-a-vis -vis Europe, uh, how's the U.S. stand? I mean, we, we don't like what's going on here, how do we stand against the rest of the world? Uh, well, we're um, in terms of the percentage of women, we're, yeah, the, we're right. we've been roughly the same as other countries. In fact, some um, of our larger companies, because it's true that by company size, larger companies tend to be have a larger percentage of women on their boards than smaller companies. Um, so we've been sort of comparable, but we see Europe leaping ahead now. Hence the need for, for more change. Right, and I think, Terry, correct me if I get the data wrong, but from an automotive standpoint, particularly automotive is behind yes. other industries, right? Particularly. With an um, exception or two, that's true. Right, consumer products, you know, some of the industries that the, the young graduates tell us they're the most interested in, we have about less than 3.5% female executives in automotive. But doesn't that come back to what I said earlier, that if you're not coming up on the technical or mm -hmm. the finance side, 
you're not going to break through the glass ceiling and go to the very right. top of the industry. Yeah, I, the only thing I would challenge that is, again, let's go back to that 20% versus 3.5%. So if 20% of technical degrees are women and 3.5% of executive jobs are women, there's still an awful lot happening. Um, we'd love to get that number of women interested in, in STEM-type um, education. They absolutely, we need to work on the pipeline, but there's still an awful lot of fallout. And some of them are personal choices, but some of it are, you know, what's happening within the corporate ladder that, you know, those are the things we're trying to attack with data and, and give people a toolkit to make a difference. And right. Janine, just for anybody who has not heard of STEM, explain that. Well, it's basically, and I'm not going to get the acronym completely right. You guys will help me out. Oh, go ahead. Science, technology, engineering, and math. Right, but it's, it's basically <laughs> taking a more technical path, even if, even when you get into middle school and high school, and then selecting a more technical path when you get into college for your education. I think the other message we have, John, is that there are multiple paths. Yes. Right. There's yeah. the most typical path, but then there are other alternatives. So you take Janine and I. Janine has yeah. an engineering degree. I, I do not. Um, so I come back to what you really need to do is learn the business. Mm -hmm. And there are multiple routes to do that. And yeah. it is seeking out the challenging jobs. It's finding people who are going to support you. Really, at the end of the day, it's doing a terrific job and being ready to take more. Right. So I think if you, you demonstrate you understand the business, you may have a technical background or a non-technical background, that's what speaks at the end of the day. You were going to add something? Well, I, and it goes back to, we talked about it a little bit earlier, and what I love about Automotive Next and what I really love about Inforum, which is, is the broader organization, is it's take the personal responsibility to develop yourself. Go, you know, to be great at what you do. Um, get the education, the development, and then some of the softer skills you will about networking, asking for what you want, taking risks, and um, you know that that there's you have to take that personal responsibility on, and we need to help each other to do that. And then there's also the data and the information for the corporations to use as they as they will about what's their part in that, encouraging people to take line positions, and it it all goes hand in hand. It's a complicated value chain, if you will, and we all have a piece of it. And it's, it's all positive, and there's a lot of work that we can do, the individual can do, our organization can do, and the companies can do. Okay, I agree with everything that you're trying to do here. I think it's the right thing to do. But Terry, what about those who say, what's the bottom line? I mean, what's the real payoff? What's, why should a corporation do this? Other than being the right thing to do, what's the benefit? Uh, profitability. <laughs> pure and simple. How so? How, uh, how do I hire women and become more profitable? Because there is a, a growing and clearly established link between diversity of thought and, 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 and financial performance, pure and simple. I mean, you know, we're dealing with big complex issues in a big complex world, and uh, you need people with different skill sets and different viewpoints to be successful. And it's interesting, you know, John, it used to be that we had to hammer that message home with a bunch of data, and that data exists, we can do that. But um, McKinsey just, just found a, an interesting piece in, a, in research that they just released that said that of the 60, they interviewed 60, the CEOs of 60 Fortune 500 companies, 12 of those companies were from Michigan, uh, based here in Michigan. And um, they didn't have to make the business case with any of those CEOs. The CEO said, oh, the business case is a done deal. So I think there's recognition out there that, you know, this is vital to the bottom line. Colleen, how do you make the business case? Well, for the auto industry, I think it's about the consumer. 
Right, the purchasing power of women, uh, the, the changing dynamic of women in the workforce, not in the North America particularly, but globally. So if you don't know the majority of your customers, how do you make a product that's going to appeal to those customers? And I think the automotive industry, since the collapse, as you called it, has really done a great job getting in tune with the customer base, not telling them what they should buy or what they want to buy or building what they just hope and assume they'll buy, building a product that the customer is going to pull off the lots. And, and women are buying those vehicles and influencing the purchases. Janine, how, how do you make the business case? Well, I think what's great is profitability, the consumer even more direct, just executing what we know we need to do with quality, the technology, the globalnesses. We're all, um, especially in North America, on an uptrend, a lot of companies are hiring. We're having a difficult time right now. There's a, there's a talent, um, a lack of talent right now. Um, folks have been rehired or redeployed or have moved. And I think when, again, you go back to the statistics of 60% of bachelor's and master's degrees are, are gotten by women, it makes that pipeline and getting women to be interested in our industry, just it's just a talent issue. You just want your fair share of the talent. Okay, Colleen, we're getting down to the end here, but if there's any women in the industry or outside the industry mm -hmm. who are interested, how do they get involved with Automotive Next? Sure, they can just go to the Inforum website and um, find information about Automotive Next and join Inforum. And then there's a constant push of communication about what's happening in Forum in Automotive Next. And uh, it's a very welcoming, uh, engaging group of women that are really trying to do the right thing for the business. And that's what, Inforum.org? InforumMichigan.org. Inforum Michigan. So it's sort of like Word. forum, but with info in forum. Right. There you go. Yeah. Well, I want to thank all three of you for having come on today. Janine Hanley, Colleen Haley, and Terry Barkley. Thanks so much for coming over today and talking all about how we move the needle here on getting more women executives in the automotive industry. Thanks, thank you so much. I want to thank all of you for having tuned in for AutoLine this week. Underwriting for AutoLine this week has been provided by... We are IAC Group, a global tier one supplier of vehicle interior solutions that span the rapid, ever-changing needs of today's industry. From interior design and engineering to manufacturing and delivery, IAC, our heritage, your advantage.